Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. What are you happening uh, in France today in Dieppe, France? Marking the 80th anniversary of Operation Jubilee, the ill-fated raid on Dieppe. A raid that uh, led to more than 900 Canadians dying in battle there that day, in the ensuing days. One of the few remaining survivors uh, of the raid on Dieppe was there today uh, to be a part of this ceremony. Gordon Fennell was 20 years old when he and more than 5,000 Canadian soldiers uh, came ashore. As mentioned, more than 900 Canadians lost their lives. Uh, Gordon Fennell turned 100 earlier this year, so it's quite remarkable to see him there today. Uh, But obviously, uh, the number of World War II veterans continues to to dwindle in this country. And it's important that we, you know, ensure that their memories, their sacrifices, these stories continue. I want to spend some time here talking about the raid on Dieppe, why it was so significant, why it went so badly, what the point of the raid was. It's an important story, not just in World War II, but obviously in Canadian military history, really Canadian history. Uh, Someone else who is uh, in France today, marking the occasion, is uh, Canadian historian and author David O'Keefe. David is the author of several books on Canadian military history, including the book One Day in August, which tells the story of the Dieppe Raid and what may have been behind it. For all that's been said publicly, there are still some lingering questions for historians around, you know, what was the point of this? What was the objective of this? And and obviously, why did it go so badly? As mentioned, David O'Keefe on the line with us here today. David, thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi, Rob. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's it's quite something over here, as you can imagine. Well, it is. Yeah, obviously, 80 years uh, since uh, what was a very fateful and consequential day for Canadian troops uh, for the war effort itself. Just talk a bit about, you know, what what you're observing there today uh, in France and, and, you know, the marking of this uh, anniversary. Well, I think, um, you know, compared to some of the years past, I think it's uh, a little smaller in turnout. But that's to be expected after the pandemic and the uncertainty of, you know, the war in the Ukraine and everything else. But at the same time, I mean, the people that are over here um, have such an incredible spirit. Everybody who has come over, and there's people from all over Canada who have made the trip. And you were mentioning Gordon Fennell, and I had the pleasure of meeting him today. And he was absolutely wonderful, all 100 years old, and extremely proud and so appreciative and he could not get over how kind everybody has been to him uh and particularly the french the french are extremely appreciative of uh, his services as you can imagine well you know and the thing with dieppe and obviously you know dieppe was a tragedy dieppe went badly and a lot of canadians died um and and so it's kind of a, a darker side then when we, we talk about our military history in contrast with with some of the the great victories we've been a part of um, but, you know, it's interesting, too, because as much as Canadians have heard of Dieppe, do Canadians really understand, fully understand what happened that day? And to take a step back, what the raid was all about in the first place? 
Well, I think that's one of the hardest things to unravel. I mean, there were no straight answers that were given at the time for, as we would find out 70 years later, for obvious reasons. A lot of it had to do with uh, ultra-secret security that um, that covered the raid. But also, too, you know, you have to realize that Mountbatten was a very ambitious character. And when things went horribly wrong, and of course, the casualties at this level were never expected, um, he engaged in an exercise of distancing. And the idea was to, for legitimate purposes, he could claim that this was not what the raid was supposed to be about. And he, you know, he was deflecting it crazy. But it was also to distance himself and protect his brand at combined operations. So sadly, both those uh, aspects have penetrated the narrative over the years. And it uh, it took 15 years, 15 years of research and about 150,000 pages of material to go through and a bunch of declassifications before we realized um, that what you were dealing with here was one of uh, a series of pinch operations or pinch raids that the British had put on starting in 1941. And the idea was to capture material, anything to do with code breaking. Um, in this particular case, the four-rotor naval enigma, which had been giving the code breakers at Bletchley Fitz. And it was extremely important for the war effort. As a matter of fact, in many cases, many cases quite decisive um so as a result the only way that you know famous code breakers like alan turing and all the others who worked at bletchley could actually break the enigma was if they had something to cheat with and that meant captured material so what the british had been doing is launching a series of raids dressing them up to look like propaganda support for the russians etc and they've been doing this um, with relative success over 1941. And then in 1942, you can argue there was a bit of victory disease, particularly when Mountbatten took over. A lot of uh, corners were being cut. He was trying to build his empire a little too fast and a little too quick. And it all came to a head on the beaches of Dieppe in, in honestly, the most costly way that you could imagine. Well, you alluded to it. Let's talk about what, what is sort of more commonly known as or would have been described as some of the, the motivations behind this, the idea of relieving pressure on the Soviets, uh, opening up a, a Western front or getting a better sense of, of how an invasion, a uh, coastal invasion would go. And this, these were, were sort of intended as, as tests for that. that that's part of the, the lore of the story around all of this. So how much uh, of, of a factor were those two things? Well, some of them are just myths, and some of them need recalibration. And for instance, the idea of lessons learned is kind of a catch-all. I mean, you can learn any lessons, you know, doing anything, including you and I talking today. I'm sure we will learn lessons, but that's not why we're talking today. And also, there is absolutely nothing in the files that uh, chiefs of staff files, planning files, etc., that claims that this is a training exercise to learn lessons of any type. And and usually they would be straight up front about that. Same thing with aid to the to Russians. That needs to be recalibrated because this raid was planned in late March and early April of 1942 when the Russians were on the rebound on the Eastern Front. They had pushed the Soviet uh, Russia, Germans back from uh, Moscow. And there wasn't an urgent need for a second front. But also, you have to remember that Dieppe, architecturally, as a raid, is only a one-day butcher and bolt in and out. This is not an invasion where you set up a bridgehead and you draw the Germans into a fight. You build up and you break out. This is completely different. Um, so in this particular case, we have to say that, no, this was not about supporting the Russians in the traditional sense. But breaking the four-rotor enigma and getting into that would then allow you to maintain your convoys to Russia, 
without fear of the big battleship Tirpitz that was using this new machine um, coming out and destroying your convoys. So, you know, that's the beauty of history. Some things are overturned. Sometimes some things are exposed as a myth and other things are judiciously recalibrated. And so that's what we see. Um, so what I did, of course, in my research was to test the hypothesis of the pinch. But then more importantly, once I was able to establish that that was indeed a, a driver of the operation, and back and I took a look at all the conventional excuses that we've heard over the years, you know, and none of them stood the test, which was interesting. And you can sort of, you can see that later when you understand that the the pinch, as they call it, there was a pinch policy and a pinch doctrine, um, where they would do anything and everything to cover the fact, and they did so successfully until 2014 when they finally declassified that material. So that really tells you something about the kind of lengths that they would go to at that time. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I mean, we do know that it was a raid. It was obviously not meant to establish any kind of beachhead. These these troops were not going to advance further. But we, we've known, and I guess we'd always kind of know, wasn't it, that it was meant to, to be a, a go in and, and get out. Yes, generally speaking, but we never knew what they were going in and getting out with. I mean, that was the whole thing. I mean, that was extremely vague. And as a matter of fact, at the core of the operation are the Royal Marine Commandos. And they were in it right from the inception, right in the outline planning stages. Basically, the HMS Locust, which was the gunboat that was going to carry them in, and it did special detachment of Royal Marines. That's in at the outline plan before any other units, including the Canadians, are in the plan. So basically, I, I kind of put it in football terms, where the Royal Marines are the ball carrier, and the Canadians come in and become the offensive line. They all have the same goal, get in the end zone, but they have different roles to play and they all have to cooperate together. And that's exactly what we see on the 19th of August. But sadly, of course, the plan, like most plans in you know military history, does not survive first contact, as they say. And uh, unfortunately, the contingencies were not strong enough to win the day. And as a result, you have um, not only heavy casualties, but a disaster of epic proportions that unfolds right here on Dieppe. Why, the yeah. of Dieppe. why did it end up being Canadian troops? Why, why were they enlisted for this? Well, it wasn't supposed to be Canadian troops at first. As a matter of fact, um, Lord Louis Mountbatten wanted the entire Royal Marine Division to carry out the operation. As a matter of fact, he, he kind of saw the Royal Marines as his lads, if you will. And he was trying to get them a starring role. And so as a result, um, there were some complaints, not so much complaints, but Canadians who were on defensive duties in Great Britain for about two years were 
you know, chomping at the bit to get into action. And eventually the lobbying of Andy McNaughton, our general, and, and his subordinate, Harry Creer, uh, was able to get the ear of Winston Churchill. And, and of course, with uh, you know, pressure from Mackenzie King as well. And Churchill basically said, look, the Canadians have a fantastic reputation coming out of World War One. And yes, they're technically untried in World War Two, but there shouldn't be a problem. They're highly trained. They've been training for operations similar to this. They pulled off a small one uh, at one particular point. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be there. So reluctantly, Mountbatten accepted the Canadians. So in many cases, you know, we hoisted ourselves upon this operation. And um, we ended up cooperating quite closely with the Royal Marines, trying to get them to their target. As a matter of fact, over half of the forces allocated to the operation were in support of what they were doing. And sadly, on that day, uh, almost 65% of the total casualties taken and over 55% of the deaths were in direct pursuit of that pinch objective. Now, back to the Enigma question. I mean, cracking that code was crucial mm. to turning the tide in, in the war. You believe that uh, the, this raid was about, or in part about, trying to, to get hands on an Enigma machine. Can we conclude anything then about whether that was successful? Well, it certainly was at the core of the operation. I mean, you do have other objectives that are put on after the, you know, as, you know, as the raid is uh, about to mount up, kind of like, you know, there's a train leaving for Dieppe and the engine is the pinch and everybody else can come along as passengers. Um, and, but sadly on that day, and I think this is probably the, the, you know, what causes so much angst now that we understand what they were after was that they were so close to doing it, but just came up empty. And again, going back to our football analogy, it would be like, well, and I'll use American football, you know, my apologies to the CFL, but it would be like being on the goal line and, you know, you're first and goal and you run the ball all four times, but you're stopped on the goal line. That's how close they were. So that's something that I found when my research was all said and done. That really left me with a bitter taste, just understanding how close they were Yet they still came away empty and with one of the most, the heaviest costs to Canada and to the allied nations that you can imagine. Well, the book is called One Day in August, Ian Fleming, Enigma and the Deadly Raid on Dieppe. David O'Keefe, really appreciate the inside. Thanks for making some, uh, some time for us here today on, on this important occasion. Oh, my pleasure, Rob. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. That's uh, historian, author David O'Keefe. You can find him on Twitter at O'Keefe Historian. As I mentioned, the book is called One Day in August. The Canadian title is One Day in August, The Untold Story Behind Canada's Tragedy at Dieppe.